Okay. Oh. We're going to do something a bit different because we haven't got anything to talk about. <laughs> well, we do. We've got loads, but I guess this is just our way of like trying to avoid talking about um, Guardians of the Galaxy in any way we can. <laughs> yeah, the third instalment. Um, we're going to do a top five list for you to talk a bit more about what it is that we're looking for from TV and cinema. Um, In the, a story, yeah. Well, the parameters of this top five list have been a little bit confusing. <laughs> uh, I don't think either of us really understood, either of us really understood the brief on this. Um, so we've got we've got a mix here. We've got we're going to do a top five list, one each, of stories that we love in TV or cinema. So we've got a uh, list that includes TV series and film. Um, so these are our top five stories of that medium, or those mediums. <laughs> so in, in no particular order. Wow. <laughs> I'm doing five to one. You're doing five to one? Yeah, I think that's what we've got. We've got to do your fifth, my fifth. Okay, five to one. Um, right. So number five is a film for me. And I believe, personally, that this is the funniest film ever. Uh, and it's The Life of Brian. Now, for, for <laughs> me... Monty Python. Monty Python, The Life of Brian. I could watch the same scene time and time again and, and laugh just the same, you know, every single time. I, I for me... It's something so kind of forward-thinking coming out in 1979. Um, it's timeless. It's, I mean, it makes a real mockery of of, of religion, which isn't really the you know I, I, that's not the point. That's not the not the point for me. That's I just find it. Like. I just find it so utterly funny. You know, it's you, it's supposed to be immature, but it just it just does everything it needs to do. And uh, <clears throat> I, you know. I believe a lot of comedy has, has come based off films like this and, and I just I just think it's faultless. I, I was thinking of The Holy Grail. The Holy Grail was the first uh, Monty Python film that I, I was really into. Um, but but I, I did sometimes find myself with The Holy Grail like finding points where I wasn't really that interested in everything. Whereas The Life of Brian for me, from start to finish, I just... I just find it hilarious. So if this is a, if this is a list of uh, stories that we would change, it is perfect. Right. Okay. So this is some. I don't really. I don't really know what this list is anymore. Like whether it's just our top five favorite pieces of TV and film or what. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna keep going. Um. So my number five, my fifth favorite story is a million miles from the holy grail it is um it is uh jake gyllenhaal and hugh jackman's prisoners okay um i think it's told perfectly i think that the uh the tension like uh, the horror i guess yeah the tension is like consistent throughout built perfectly the acting is unbelievable the emotions that it inspires in you the uh, exposition the reveal at the ends it's 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 perfect. I changed nothing about it. It's a hard watch. Yeah. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's perfect. Exactly the kind of movie that I'm looking for. I mean, I haven't seen Prisoners, actually. Um, is it last 20, 10 years, 20 years? 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the specific. Uh, to, I, I think to, like to those that haven't watched it, have you got like a bit of a plot? Yeah, well, it's um, it's about a Hugh Jackman plays a dad whose whose child goes missing in a sub suburb of America. Um, it's very autumnal in a sort of color palette and well <laughs> setting, I suppose. Um, and Jake Gyllenhaal plays the cop who's assigned to the case to find the kid um, and the two characters sort of have two very different approaches obviously Hugh Jackman's is far more desperate and immediate and less law abiding um, and Jake Gyllenhaal's is more logical and thought out um, but obviously they have the shared aim of recovering the kid and other kids who have also gone missing as well uh, so it's, it's kind of got that horror um, vibe to it uh, yeah there you go really it's pretty perfectly told in my yeah. opinion um, so number four for me is probably only number four because I can't bear to watch it ever again I know what this is um, 1917 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is the most horrific film I've ever had the pleasure of watching um, a historical drama on you know the events of, in the first world war um it was raw it was real it was awful to watch um and but just the way it was told through the eyes of like two young kids basically you yeah. know um <clears throat> i think they made a point of of demonstrating how young those fighters were in the first world war and it just made you feel terrible <laughs> for the whole two and a half hours of I think watching it's the, the film for me it's the single character uh, the single shot um style yeah that, that got me with that movie like the camera it, it opens with a shot of them um there's some feet the uh, sergeant or whatever the general comes into shot but it's only his feet because they're lying in the grass and he's like oh you two get up you know gotta go away gotta go to HQ or whatever and he leaves it's this disembodied order this order comes from this you know, set of feet and then you're stuck with those two characters the shot the the uh, frame basically never leaves them mm -hmm. and you're stuck with them for their entire journey across there's a super simple straightforward inciting incident Colin Firth's like you got to get to this trench and tell this battalion not to go over the top at this time it's a trap if you don't make it they're all going to die so just you know uh, stakes are insanely high straight away that's it inciting incident done and then the camera just does not leave them as they make that journey you are you are trapped there with them it's such a claustrophobic movie <laughs> to me and like the fact that you just cannot separate yourself from the action and what's going on like it, it's so consistently intense yeah I, I agree I think that's firmly placed on your list yeah fair number four for you oh yeah Number four for me, uh, again very different, is This Is England. Now I'm cheating a little bit because I mean This Is England as an entirety, which I'm not te I guess I'm not technically allowed to do, but I mean all three seasons and the movie. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because uh, the movie came first, uh, the movie was obviously too successful, and then it was followed by three uh, series that were quite short. Um, they were, I cannot remember what dates <laughs> they are, like 88, 
86, 88, 90, something like that. Yeah, and it's one of the, like the most uh, authentic pieces of film I've ever seen. Like across the board, every scene of dialogue is perfect. It's kind of Shane Meadows did this very um, like encouraged a lot of improvisation between the characters um, or the actors, rather uh, Joe Gilgan, um, Stephen Graham, like early roles for those guys just incredible um the themes it explores yeah i mean it's a huge it's a huge piece though like you know three seasons of four episodes there and um and a movie as well so there's a lot to explore but yeah as a whole this is england that's my number four so to do more uh credit to stephen graham um in terms of well-told stories i'm i'm gonna this isn't one of those where you know it's my it's a favorite film of mine or anything like that but i i find it amazing i find it amazing um and it and it is boiling point <laughs> um and for me i get real joy out of you like the single shot thing it's so no so this in particular for me the boiling point for me the single shot and the the way they did it was was fantastic but for me I admire making intense drama out of out of something that's so mundane every day. <laughs> I don't. I don't think what happens in that movie is mundane. Every day. No, absolutely, I know, I know absolutely exactly not. But, but they're taking they're taking the concept of dramatizing the dramatizing. Yeah, yeah, dramatizing real life for me is I I, I just love that so yeah, much. Yeah. I, I I can you know if you just look at season one of The Wire specifically and the the battle to get for for the police department to get up on the wire basically mm. you know and and the almost the strain of submitting subpoenas and having arguments in in offices about um the re, you know why that needs to happen and and you like the reality i like i like how dramatic cuz reality and real life you know it is it is dramatic and it and and when that's captured so well like it is here in Boiling Point, um, I just I just love it. I just, I just was completely along for the ride. Are you a fan of like boardroom dramas then? Stuff like Suits and Succession. Um, well, the the difference there for me is is I almost don't see that as real life because that is so disjointed from what the everyday person okay, would experience yeah, yeah, yeah. that they don't quite hit the, so, yeah. hit the spot with me so yeah. much but like you know being able to dramatize like a like an a workplace you know <laughs> yeah. or a you know or a situation at, at school or the something drama like that of working you know, in a in a intense like hospitality environment like working in the kitchen or in the service industry and like yeah, I completely see what you mean. The, yeah. the immediacy and that the speed, like the pace of everything in that movie, is what I loved. Or you know, or even like um, films like Lock, for example, where there's you know the, there's an in, there's an intensity. You don't you don't necessarily see much happen, mm. but in the background there is. If you if you can get to a point where you understand what's going on, you can almost heighten the drama y yourself, or you can heighten that experience yourself because you understand the ramifications of certain actions happening, or you know, or characters going through certain experiences. I think it's the subtlety, drama that's not necessarily forced down your throat. 
is something I love in storytelling. For me, Boiling Point had the same similar effect that 1917 did with the the single shot thing. I think Boiling Point actually was filmed in a single shot as well, yeah. which makes it even more One impressive. Take, yeah. um, but that the effect that that has on me is is just it's just the intensity. Like mm. you can't separate yourself. You're mm. you're in that kitchen with them. Yeah. You're in the restaurant. You're in behind the bar. Whatever. Like you're there with them, and you can't yeah. leave. You can't look away. Um, it really it, like. I, I, not to contradict you, but like to me, that does force that drama down my throat. But in a, but I completely uh, see what you mean. Like it's, it's. Yeah, it's not like it's hey, not look drama. At me, drama. Tra- yeah, yeah. Pretend yeah. that you really feel you're like you're a, a powerless thing. spectator yeah. Yeah. in something that's genuinely happening. It's like you're. Not, it's exposition done well, I think. Yeah. Because you're not. It, it's not like it doesn't feel at all as though the director or the writer or the actor or whatever are trying to entertain you. It's as though you're just sitting there watching something unfold and you can't do anything about it and that to me is what well, is the perfect kind of exposition or, or you know the total avoidance of exposition yeah which is perfect you're number three mm. okay so again maybe maybe cheating a little bit but my number three perfectly told story is true detective season one Mm. now I'm standing I'm, I'm like you know it's not True Detective as a whole it's True Detective season one because season two and season three are completely different casts with completely different stories and completely different areas set ostensibly in a different universe too I mean mm. they're not but you know could be uh, but season one alone Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson playing yeah I mean you know the the, the kind of cliche really like the two um, the partners the cop partners that don't get on are completely different um and they're they're um, exploring a kind of occult murder in louisiana in the 90s and it's perfect lovecraftian mm-hmm. horror through and through yeah. like everything about every shot the horror for, what my favorite thing about it is for me the horror is in the setting like the stuff that happens isn't necessarily that immediately scary but then there'll just be this panning shot across like this Louisiana wasteland as they're driving and it's it just makes you feel so uncomfortable mm. um, yeah everything about it from every every single line of dialogue the themes explored the setting the cinematography like it's just so perfectly told so entertaining so engaging um, the cuts between the sort of the two uh time spaces you know you've got old rust and uh, being interviewed talking back on the events that happened in the 90s and then you've got the rust of the of the 90s as those events are unfolding and sort of both narratives working towards each other and meeting in the middle genius i love i kind of really like that technique it's used a lot um yeah i, I could talk about it for ages it's it's perfect to me i love true detective season one and and actually when if you want to, if I wanted to kind of separate and isolate TV series, um, because you know, cast being completely different, I actually think uh, Fargo season one goes quite a long way in, in terms of telling a really well put together story. Um, the one with Martin Freeman in. Yeah. Um, I love season one of Fargo and can kind of didn't bother with any other season of Fargo because it was you know it was recast and I just you know I thought that was the same story being told though 
it wasn't the same story being told. Because yeah, it, I know it the Fargo movie. And, uh, yeah, so, so there was a, uh, a Fargo movie long before, maybe in the 90s, uh, but the first season of, of Fargo, which I think is based on the film, mm. um, I thought was excellent. Uh, I really, really did. And it, But not enough to make your list. Well, not necessarily enough to make my list. Um, but a good shout out, because it was another TV series that, had a diff- completely different cast, completely different story from season on season. So, um, you are going to hate me <laughs> okay. for this next one. Is this your number two of all time? But we're talking about stories, right? Yeah. Okay. And whether you like it or not, I love superhero stuff. Oh my god! Now, I am. Yeah, I'm sorry, but Infinity War, no. Avengers. Is the be- probably the best superhero movie ever. What are you talking about? <laughs> you hate superhero movies, and no, general, right? no, I was I was fully gearing up for you to say, um, the Dark Knight. I was fully expecting you to say um, Heath Ledger's Joker, you know all that, and I wouldn't have been too mad at that. But Infinity, well, so, what, you, what angle are you coming from? Here? So, the Dark Knight is my is my favorite. Your Super, favorite. superhero movie ever oh but you think this one's better I think Infinity War is is the best superhero movie in isolation ever and the reason I say that is the one thing that all other superheroes don't have and in uh, and Infinity War specifically that the superheroes don't win and and it creates the the air of like uncertainty it actually completely flips the script on no, I on disagree. on the superhero you know on superhero movies that I Marvel actually... specifically have done, and the 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 big area with it for me was that they released Endgame only a year later. I think they should have, I think they should have waited a, a good few years for you know for theories to develop, for for panic to set in. I, I think because Marvel was such a huge franchise and they've got so many film ideas, it kind of ruined what. Infinity War could have been if left alone for a few years, but for me, to have to have a superhero movie do that and you know completely wipe out huge amounts of the Marvel universe, kind of uh, towards the end of that film, and and leave you with a sense of this is a super a situation in a superhero franchise where I don't know where they're going to go from here I, I, ju- I just think that was amazing and, and I really appreciated it and, and it won't ever happen again superheroes will always get the last laugh and I just I, I really felt good at, at that point in, in at the end of Infinity War where I was like this this doesn't feel you know this isn't catering to the family friendly thing this is completely different and I, and I really appreciated it so I think I, I'm a superhero person and I think Infinity War is probably the best superhero movie ever. I think that's the most amount of cap I've ever sat through. <laughs> how is any how how is any of that not achieved by The Dark Knight, for example? And I'm not even sitting there as an advocate for Chris Nolan movies or, or superhero movies at all, but if you're gonna say that the Infinity Infinity War is the best superhero movie, like just talking about superhero movies. How is any of that not achieved by... In fact, I'd go as far as to say it's that's not achieved at all. You may have had that sense of, oh, 
the writers have done something different and the superheroes don't win or whatever but did it actually leave you genuinely with a sense of uncertainty did you actually think that they weren't going to eventually have the last laugh I imagine they do right I imagine in the sequel in Endgame or whatever all those people that are wiped out by Thanos they come back right and you always kind of knew they would because none of these franchises are ever actually going to kill off Spider-Man and leave him dead Hmm. you know that was never going to happen this I like I I, I hear this a lot from movie lovers. People talk, people trying to defend Marvel. People trying to defend the big franchises, Endgame, and all that. Talking about it's done the numbers and it's done this whatever, and therefore it's. But these, I would say, are not even cinema. Go back and read that my article on uh, the third Creed installment, like, and Scorsese talking about these are just these are just like fairground rides, man. Like you sit down, you know what you're getting. That's it. There's no emotion yeah. inspired in this. So, and a, and so, a writer so, doing something that's not entirely expected at the end of one movie that's part of a franchise that's going to be undone in the next one isn't something that inspires human emotion or genuine connection to the characters at all. So go well, back to my original question anyway. How's it, how's that not achieved by Dark Knight? So we're, t- we're talking about... When we talk about the story, that there, there are... I, Dark Knight is my favourite because of Heath Ledger's performance but but there were times in the Dark Knight where I felt like things didn't need to be in the story right. now for me with, with Infinity War and, and, and only Infinity War I, I didn't feel like that I, I sometimes enjoy the ride the franchise ride but in fact it wasn't just at the end of that film but all the way through the, the Infinity War film there is that impending doom and 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 that just that just doesn't usually happen and actually by a massive some, purple some, dude owned by Disney some, like, some, come some, on. hey look listen <laughs> at the end of the day we're talking about a superhero film and we're not saying superhero films are the best ever but I think this is superhero films are massive a lot of people love them and I think this is the best superhero movie and I really enjoyed it Fair enough. And, yeah, and fair enough. my 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 biggest my biggest issue is 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 mostly because they didn't wait long enough to bring out Endgame because they they undid that all you know they yeah. undid that all but Iron Man did remain dead yeah but that's because they ended the franchise for good right but this is why it's how long is it going to be favorite second favorite another but... how long is it actually going to be and so, I mean they didn't even manage like they barely managed a decade before they announced the remaking Harry Potter how long is it going to be until they do another Avengers remake we get a recast Captain America and Iron Man and all that and this whole we go on this whole ride again well, I've always had the problem don't. with these superhero franchises where there's an absolute and this fits with Star Wars and Creed and whatever else is that the threat plateaus really early how many times can you have the toughest villain they've ever faced until yeah, do you know course, what I mean like, so you do it with Thanos you use it once tick like we got this from comic books when we were kids how is this still satisfying you anyway <laughs> Uh, moving on, my my episode my number two should come as absolutely no surprise. It's the wire, all of it. Perfect story. I mean, I, I don't feel like I, I you know it's an argument. So I haven't finished the like... wire. <laughs> all right, well, <laughs> which is why it's not in my list. But yeah, I mean, it needs no explanation. If you're at all familiar with it, it is perfect. The um. Every absolutely every aspect. Like I've never known a TV series stand up for five. Se- I mean, some people say the fifth is slightly weaker than the others, and I would kind of agree. But in terms of story, but 
only but only marginally you know and like you know if the fifth season was a standalone piece it would still be head and shoulders above basically everything else has ever been written like <laughs> um yeah the the evolving um sort of city as a character having each season focus on something as a completely different aspect of the same problem in the city or the or focus on it from a different perspective so you've got season one is obviously the setup you've got the police and the uh, and the street dealers and as you've mentioned earlier them trying to get up on the wire season two is the stevedores three is the politicians four is the school system like it focuses on these sort of socio-economic issues surrounding drug trade in baltimore from a number of different perspectives and it fleshes all of them out so well i i i could again it's another one i could talk about forever like it's to me the wire is probably the goat why is it number two because my number one's a movie but of so i mean you know if this was a conversation exclusively about tv series this would be my number one yeah um, interesting well i think it would be when i have finished the wire it will probably <laughs> be my be my number one as well uh but my number one is a tv series it is the only tv series that i am completely satisfied with and will never take any slander on um it isn't finished yet which is Ooh. my only pro- which which is my only worry and have i seen it i yeah of course oh. for me corruption creativity <clears throat> new concepts new ideas that there is and and most importantly the thing i i enjoy the most watching when it's out is the boys how are you going to talk about superhero movies like Infinity War and then how... Because, because <laughs> the Infinity War... In the, in the because, same list. Because, because Infinity War as a, as a movie, I've, well, I've given my reasons. I think it's... Yeah, yeah, I, think yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I think it's... I think it's... Fi- you know, it's the only attempt... So is this the best... I've really seen of of a superhero movie changing the script a little bit. There was there was the Watchmen, but the, probably the less said about that, the better. <laughs> But the boys, in terms of the, yes, the boys are still superheroes, and and all, all day we've got two superhero things on the list. But it is completely different. It flips the script. It is it is the, the the group of normal guys trying to actually overcome what would actually happen if superheroes existed. Yeah. they would they would use their powers for so many wrong reasons. Yeah, and on the face of it, you know, be great to everyone else. And and that sto- that story in itself. I absolutely love the the, yeah. the fact that right now us as individuals can't do anything about what governments do because we don't have the resource we don't have the power and and this almost exemplifies that in in yeah. such a way of like okay now superheroes are the bad guys you absolutely have no chance <laughs> against these whatsoever and it's this group of four or five blokes basically trying to you know take them out one by one and and it's entertaining it's it's funny it's like you know it's gritty it's the, there's corrupt there's corruption at all different levels there's betrayal I just for me especially when you when you look at the the blueprint of superhero stuff to flip it to flip the script and be that successful and do this that well yeah is it's, it's just amazing agree. To me. I completely agree with you with the boys like for me this this is what this is what actually, as you say, like flips the narrative completely. 
yeah this is the original and, and this is so 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 much better it's not even in the same league and stuff like Marvel like that Marvel yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely I absolutely agree which is why I kind of wanted this in the list because I, I, I will def- I, I will defend that as a film Infinity War attempts it from from, yeah. from the from the least likely suspect as well the, the you know the least you know Disney do you know Disney yeah. Marvel doing that I think was a, a real but that's move such, away that's, from what you would expect it's still, them to do. It's still such a but, small but step. The boy, right? but it's still, a small it's step. A, it's a step within the realms but, of the. But the nil. boy is, is the is the perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I way to do it. If that's your two, yeah, no, I'm not going to keep questioning your list. Um, um, I agree with you about the boys. And it, it is and, and, you, and for me, like, so I I think of like best TV shows ever. And I am always disappointed when they end. The Boys mm. has not ended. Ah, right, I see. We're at four seasons. Yeah. There's more to come. But as, as it stands now, I think it's been told perfectly up until this point. And yeah. and, and, and with, with superhero stuff, along with sci-fi and fantasy stuff, you can, you can throw concepts in that you maybe you couldn't touch in shows that are more based on reality like the the wire or something like that you know you can have a nazi superhero <laughs> and there's and a little bit more creative freedom when you're you not know, they're, they're, completely they're, adhering I, to I, realism I, yeah. yeah yeah so 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 I, with 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 your sci-fi and fantasy you can always go a little bit further with with stuff like that mm. um you know which which I really appreciate and and some of the the powers the powers are so creative um, you know, a lot of them aren't bog. You know, you've got. The, they're not all based on pre-existing superheroes. Yeah, there are, I mean, there, there are powers that aren't useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you know, yeah. people have made a made a joke of a guy that can just chop off his limbs and regrow them. Like yeah. no one wants anything to do with him. Yeah. So he's like in motel lobbies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, doing fantasy stuff for people that's, <laughs> because that's, that's all the only way he can make his money. Like, it's just that there's so much to it. Um, um, you know, I have concerns at how they're going to end the story, but as it currently stands, it's been it's been told perfectly so far. And I do really like the one. the exploration of um, like themes that are overused for our entertainment applied to reality. So what I mean by that is stuff like the boys, you know, where you apply the superhero concept, like we're going to take the universe of of Marvel and DC and. Well, I think I think the X Men is probably the most accurate um, kind of influence yeah. because it's, 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 it's like the mutant sort of world. You know, like we, we live in a world where a percentage of the human race has extra you know abilities, like yeah. has non-human abilities, um, and the fact that in the boys it's a government yeah. scheme. Although Homeland is very clearly based on Superman yeah. and stuff like that, but you know, I, you are you know, you know, anyway. I love the idea that you know you take something like the concept of superheroes and then you put that into the real worlds and you're like okay this is what would actually happen <laughs> um so district nine did that with like you know you've got so many movies like et and what would happen when, when we make first contact with like an alien life form or an alien you know there's a ufo lands on the planet and district nine goes yeah but this is what probably would actually happen and, and it's pretty awful like and it's i mean i love that idea because there's always kind of humor in it as well as horror like yeah. it's such a kind of like jarring like forcing you to look at the truth sort of idea it's what um william golding did with um lord of the flies which i think we're going to be talking about for quite soon um 
and because um, he he sort of he wrote when he wrote Lord of the Flies, he was writing it in a context of a lot of like kind of chauvinistic books for boy, you know, these novels for young men or, or kids, really boys, I guess, um, about you know the sort of young schoolboy that's stranded on a desert island and becomes the hero and is you know is completely self sufficient and resourceful and, and escapes and is all kind of like this kind of Scooby Doo esque like heroism and kids or whatever. And Golden comes along and goes, yeah, but if a group of schoolboys got trapped on a desert island, this is what would actually happen. And it's horrific. And so I guess from that, like from Golding, like, I love that idea, you know, and any story that explores what would happen in a, in a specific situation takes a kind of fantasy element or trope and explores it in a, in a real life way. A great way. I've always got a lot of time for. I always think it works. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, the apparently the anime comics of the boys are, are way more brutal than what's displayed on I TV. Heard that so as well, I, I hate to imagine. Well, I can't imagine what would actually happen <laughs> if it was okayed <laughs> on the TV. There were but... there were scenes in that latest season of the boys where I actually had to look away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so your number one, my my number one. All right. So the best movie ever made is objectively hot fuzz it, it's it's hot fuzz it's perfect it's so funny um i don't know to what extent i need to explain this it's simon pegg and nick frost it's the second in the cornetto trilogy informally named because apparently they had cornettos like handed out on the set of Shaun of the Dead or something <laughs> and so obviously each movie Shaun of the Dead Hot Fuzz and then World's End has a kind of loose colour palette that adheres to a flavour of Cornetto so that for obviously Shaun of the Dead there's a lot of blood you've got red on you all of that kind of thing is the Strawberry Cornetto Hot Fuzz about the police force is blue is the vanilla one and, and World's End kind of aliens and the green blood that's the mint Cornetto <laughs> well all of the uh, the rappers, the Conetta rappers, make an appearance respectively in each of those movies, which is quite cool, and all referred to. Um, and generally, the trilogy is amazing. It's really good. There's a lot of reused jokes throughout the movies, actually. Um, and it's obviously the same cast playing very different characters and entirely different stories, not connected at all. But they're always really funny. And spiritually, this humour does, I think, kind of come from... Um, Monty Python and you know Blackadder and that kind of like classic British comedy from earlier on but Hot Fuzz stands out as being a long way above its two peers or its two um, counterparts uh, World's End and Shaun of the Dead for me at least as just the tightest movie like line for line shot for shot moment to moment like joke for joke like it's just perfect absolutely everything is is put together so well it's such a feel-good movie as well like the setting the like again the comedy i guess like it speaks to something like innately british about <laughs> in me you know and like in the audience the kind of like newspaper reading um very relaxed sort of like rural village mentality it's uh it's brilliant yeah mm. the way they use big names as well like the cast is is incredible you've got bill nye you've got martin freeman you've got um 
Steve Coogan um, and you know all of these characters that make such a or sorry all these actors that make such kind of like a um, a brief appearance like almost a cameo role yeah uh, yeah just across the board the cast is unbelievable Olivia Colman early role um it's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I kind of don't like the stuff. ending of Hot Fuzz. So I will give you that all three movies do struggle to end, but I I completely forgive that. I think to for, to start with, Hot Fuzz has the strongest ending of the trilogy, but um, I don't know. I, I, what what did you like about it? I I just so there's the chaos. It always comes there's a little bit faster. Yeah, the, there's the chaos when he comes back. Uh, and you know he's fighting through the villagers going from you know almost going from checkpoint to checkpoint and and I just for me there's something quite strange about the the final fight with um, what's he called oh the um, the shop the, the shop field management manager and in, in the small town yeah <laughs> where I'm just like I don't know I'm just not quite sure about I, I think with Hot Fuzz, I love the first 75 minutes of it, and I'm kind of not really bothered about the fight scenes at the end. See, but that's part of, part of what Hot Fuzz is, is the commentary on genre. Like, yeah. the way that it, the way that it, the way that it is, it's, it's satire, or it is satire to a number of different genres at the yeah. same time. That's what's genius. Like, it, it, I mean, it takes a lot from the Western, it takes a lot from the, sort of the obviously, the traditional, um, cop genre but generally it like what it is trying to do is just ruin, just ruin the action the genre of action yeah. so the western the shootout the yeah you know like the, the whatever the cop fights bad boys point break all these movies that are referenced and kind of like you know they take a scene and they do a spin of it and all this kind of like it's it's perfect it's it's like the best parts of all of those movies delivered in a Sort of in a way that isn't corny and is also really funny. I don't know. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's another one that I could talk for ages on. I would need to collect my thoughts more. Maybe it's an article. Mm. Honorable mentions. I have a few. Honorable mentions. And uh, you're probably not going to appreciate one of them. But right. let me get into it. So I've gone for American History X as a special mention. Wow. Okay. Um. Now, I've only, I've only, and the only reason it's a special mention, I've only seen it a couple of times, but I generally love the film. I, it's it's really tough to watch, um, but Ed Norton, you know, is 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 amazing in it, and and I just think it's really powerful, really hard hitting, and it was it's one for me where let me watch it a few more times but I don't think I would change anything about it yeah I respect that it's a great movie yeah absolutely brilliant movie like yeah yeah fair enough that's a good honourable mention um, I mean to be honest any any honourable mention that I may have had was probably on your list yeah uh, 1917 probably gets one Boiling Point both of those movies especially Boiling Point like that I would really probably put on um, that almost could have had a place on my list actually mm. Um, I think I want to mention season one to six of Game of Thrones fair enough because yeah, it was flawless enough. up until the end of season six in my opinion yeah and I kind of hear um, you and, and if, they, if it ended at six I don't think 
the distaste for that show would have I, I know it couldn't end at six mm. but but almost the distaste for that show that's that has come now I almost feel like is really undeserving so I'm I'm a little bit controversially not actually that mad at it because I remember thinking you're well, not mad at the show or, or the ending or the you're ending. not mad well, at the distaste I'm not mad at the ending yeah because well b- because I think I'd already let go this is it so for me like when it went during like season 6 I can't remember specifically what like what happens in which season or whatever and where it, where it was but I remember early on in the process of watching Game of Thrones thinking this was a nightmare to end like how are you gonna <laughs> how are you gonna tie all these strings back together like this is chaos there's no way that that ending was ever gonna satisfy everybody mm. or satisfy anybody really like and I it kind of like it you know, it, it wrote history so accurately. It wrote, like, kind of a, an alternative British history uh, so accurately that it was like, well, there is no way of ending this. It obviously just will go on. Yeah. There'll, be another, there'll be more drama to come. So I kind of thought... I, I remember kind of hope, like, hoping maybe they just don't bother. Maybe they just drop it off, drop off at, like, mm. season six or whatever. Um, obviously they don't, and they try and end it, and the ending's a disaster. But I wasn't really expecting anything else. Yeah, and and I think the outrage, yeah, it didn't deserve the outrage in my opinion. I think people should have also expected that it wasn't going to end mm. how they'd wanted. The writers were writing Star Wars, the new Star Wars films. Well, I mean that's that is an excuse though. Yeah. It's an excuse, but it but it happened. That's the, it happened. Yeah, yeah, George yeah, R. R. Martin yeah, yeah. didn't manage to write. See, I've got the next look, I've got I don't know I don't share that idea with the books much so much. I think like. I have a lot of hope for the for the final Game of Thrones novels. Mm. I think that they should be a lot better. Mm. I mean, you should definitely, you know, they should they should amend the the flaws with the ending of the series. Um, but you know, Game of Thrones kind of had its fun in a way. Like I sort of got towards the end of it and was like, "This has been good." I kind of don't want you know, like the the drama in it is has, has been for a decade now. Wondering how's this gonna you know how's this gonna end? Who's Jon Snow's parents? What's going on? What are the secrets? Mm. You know what I mean? Like. And when you're wondering for decades, you realise that the joy is in not knowing. And I think a lot of writers should sort of think about that, yeah. you know, like the joy is a lot of the time in not knowing. So just ending without actually satisfying yeah, that let isn't, us, let always, us the ending. isn't always the worst thing. Yeah. Although um, it piss everyone off, won't it? But <laughs> room is another honourable mention for me. What? Brie, Tommy La- Brie Larson. Oh. <laughs> No, not the room. not the room. You mean room is an Emma Donoghue's novel? The f- I think Brie Larson and Jacob Tremblay did a good right portrayal of that film. I haven't seen the movie. I've read the novel. Um, I hated it. And yeah, I was. I I thought the film was good. I thought the film was very good. Um, wouldn't necessarily tell it in a different way. I mean, do do you have criticisms of how the story is actually written? Yeah. Do massively. Can oh you summarise very quickly? Oh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's incredibly close to the Fritzel thing. Yeah. And yes. I think that there's, to an extent, some ethical obligation you have to intentionally distance your story from your inspiration. Interesting. Uh, only in certain I don't have the parameters I've not worked them out but for me when I read Room it sat all kinds of wrong with me like it mm. didn't it didn't sit well like it wasn't like you know it felt like someone had, had just read the story of the Fritzel case and been like I'm dramatising that 
exactly as it happened yeah. and it's like okay like imagine someone did that with like you know even saying it's weird but imagine doing someone like dramatising the events of like Madeleine McCann and not and not turning it into like a story just leaving it exactly as it is yeah. like you know I say that with prisoners of, of, of on my list so maybe that's a little bit problematic because obviously that is the story of a, of a, a parent trying to like find yeah. their lost kid and whatever but it's it's done in a very different way like that's you use the horror and there's commentary it's not just taking the story and dramatising it exactly as it happened and then just leaving the ending the same like, yeah. like, so now I, don't know. I, anyway, have, I have I one more but it has nothing to do with it being a good film because it's not necessarily a good film right but the performance by the actor is one I wouldn't change at all oh it's oh. a joker isn't it is it Joker? It, he is very good, yeah, Joaquin right. Phoenix. Yeah, he is. And and the way he tells his that story, I think the film was almost a wagon to get him an Oscar. For, oh yeah, absolutely, it was Oscar bait. Yeah, so disregard the film. Disregard the film. His performance, oh my god, was yeah, good. Enough. I can think of lots of good, but yeah, yeah, yeah obviously, but just recent memory that I, I came out of that film going that film wasn't very good but he was yeah and interesting and that I, I described that as yet another subversion of the superhero genre on your list but I am a superhero guy yeah. and, and that's the relationship we're going to have to have unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> I liked the Joker I liked that movie I liked Joker um, although I didn't like aspects of it yeah I really didn't like how they tried to shoehorn it into the sort of wider Batman universe yeah and like, like you know oh it's he killed whatever Batman's parents or something in the end like why on earth have you done that yeah, it, just was didn't that, it was unnecessary it. leave it, it as that spin off yeah yeah, yeah 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 have a little hint you know yeah. mention the Wayne family or something yeah. I wonder what Joker 2 is going to be like well yeah for God's sake it wasn't you know anyway <laughs> honourable mentions I haven't got many um, uh, Memento Chris Nolan it's, it needs mentioning because I hate Chris Nolan and Memento's sick Memento <laughs> um, is unbelievable. I, it's like a really early movie, and it's most of the reason that I hate him because not personally, but you know, it's most of the reason I don't like him as a director because he set his own bar and then just completely failed to meet it ever again. Memento mm-hmm. um, is not perfect because it's really inaccessible and frankly, at points, just not enjoyable because of it. But it's genius in in terms of story structure. Um, it's a story told in all kinds of different, or like you know, the chronology is all over the place. It's about a guy with. Have you seen it? No. It's about a guy with short-term memory. Or, sorry, he has. He doesn't have the ability to form short-term memories. So something's happened to him where he can't remember anything, basically immediately. So he begins to tattoo facts onto his body. Um, so he basically wakes up every day, at, sort of like some kind of Groundhog Day situation, like at stage one, he's got to work out what's going on, and it's a really intricate plot. Uh, it was a super simple plot, but it's told in such an intricate way, and it's and it's genius. It's incredibly confusing, which obviously you kind of like it's Chris Nolan all over, isn't it? But like, um, it's done really well. Is my point? It's super simple, and there's nothing in there that shouldn't be, and there's nothing in there that's pointless, and it's mm. it's super tight, and so it's it's worth mentioning for that reason. Although I wouldn't even put it like it's not one of my favorite movies ever. Mm. It's just notable for its specific use of structure. You got an animation. No, on my list, but off the top of my head, I've got a few. And in fact, I've got loads thinking about it. But um, I think Kung Fu Panda's unbeatable. Yeah. 
absolutely love it. Um, but that's that's a really personal thing. Like they're just movies that I enjoy. Shark Tale. Shark Tale. Fail, like like never. Have you seen Drew, Zootropolis? I haven't. Zootropolis is very very good. Fair. Very very good. Really well told. Surfs up. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, right, so, so. Cool, like the use of the camera and like refocusing and stuff, like and the way that they film that break a total breakthrough for um for the animated sort of genre. There's loads of animated movies. Yeah, mm. I, I, I think that. that's a separate conversation. That is a separate so. conversation. Maybe another article or something. My final um, my final honorable mention. I'm not even allowed. To, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but it's Yellow Jackets. <laughs> what? It's okay. for real. <laughs> um, because of... Well, you know what? We'll, you'll, you'll find out soon, I guess. 